buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? Uh, welcome back for another episode. I've got a special guest for you guys today. I've got Scott Ingram, who is the host of the Sales Success Stories and the Inspired Marketing Podcast. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for hopping on here and just you know give people the the short cliff nose version of of your story, how you got into sales, and then we'll try to keep it as tactical as possible so folks can take something away from here and up their sales game. Yeah, short. Well, that that'll be tricky. I started my first company when I was twenty, uh, and and for the Breaking Bad fans, the name of that company was Gray Matter Technologies. Uh, so long long before the show. Uh, but I, that was, I had to learn sales. It was sort of trial by fire, right? You don't really have a company in, unless you figure out how to sell some stuff. So that's that's really how that worked out. Uh, ended up selling that company about five years later uh, when we cashed out of California. Uh, and I moved to Austin. I've been in Austin for the, the last, geez, 16 years uh, since. And, and really settled into, I realized that my favorite thing about that entrepreneurial journey, I just, I love the sales part the best, right? And, yeah. and I thought, you know, this is, I get, I get everything that I want and I don't have to worry about finance and operations and HR and all this other stuff. I can just have the conversations and, and help folks out. And uh, so I spent some time at ADP uh, in the major account space. And then really since then, I have been in the marketing technology space. I've, I've gone uh, public with two different companies. I worked with a company called Bizarre Voice. Uh, then I worked with Eloqua. Eloqua, we were public for one whole quarter. Uh, and then Oracle acquired, acquired us. So I became an Oracle employee for a, a period of time. And then for the last five years, uh, I have worked with... Uh, my favorite uh, integration uh, partner that was helping me when I was uh, in in Eloqua. So I've uh, been here, still kind of work in in that space, but in a professional services firm. So again, I've, I've sort of seen a lot of it, lots of lots of SaaS, lots of technology, but also services, which is a, a little bit of a different animal, but but one that I enjoy a lot because you can do almost anything you know my my product is is some really smart people so anything that they're capable of doing is is things that we can deliver for our clients so that's uh 
that's the professional background. And then I, I do all this fun uh, sales podcast stuff on the on the side. So two different sales podcasts. Uh, we host an annual event. I've published a couple of books. Uh, I just I, I geek out on this stuff. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, man. Sounds like you're a total sales nerd, just like me. Um, and you know, I too just love the the sales hustle of entrepreneurial journey. You know, sometimes I think it's a lot of you know people that are naturally love doing sales and go down that entrepreneur journey can get stuck doing a lot of stuff that they don't like doing and can you know easily get pulled away from doing that sales you know activity that revenue generating activity that relationship building you know prospecting you know stuff that they love doing well and if if you do it right you can be so entrepreneurial in a sales role and and somebody somebody described it to me as you're sort of your own startup like if you look at your employer as your vc right mm. and and your territory is is your company that, that's that's what you own there is so much that you can do within that but like i said there's so many pieces that you don't have to worry about you don't have to build the dang product you don't have to run customer success and support and all this other stuff you just get to focus on on the fun stuff and if you think about it from that perspective there's maybe you don't have the crazy upside right are, are you going to become a, a multi billionaire by sitting in a sales role yeah probably not but the the downside risk is you know like what's the worst that happens like i don't know about you my base salary is pretty dang good and i'm never going to make only that so it, it it's a it's for me it's it's just the right mix i love it yeah yeah i think that uh, i i think you said it you know exactly how a lot of people should look at it is you know as a salesperson you can you know basically run your own business especially if you're in a role that has uncapped commissions like why not just you know do the most you can and be as resourceful as possible and treat it like you're running your own business that's it that's it so you've 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 had you know various different roles um what you what would you say some of the you know things that you learned early on in sales that have just really stuck with you? Oh, so, so much stuff. You know, I, I, for me, I, I think philosophically it's about relationships and just taking care of people because what, what invariably happens, especially once you, once you kind of find your spot, right? So for me, that's been marketing technology for, oh gosh, like really the last 10 years, you realize the world is a very, very small place, right? People move around and that can either hurt you or it can really have a, a massive benefit to you, right? And, and it can hurt you if you screw people, right? If, if you only look out for yourself and you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ram this deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this thing closed when it's not the right fit for them. Yeah. It, it's like karma, you know, like the the person that you did that deal with is going to show up a couple of years from now in the biggest deal of your life. And they're going to be like mm. that. I remember that guy. Yeah, we're not mm. working with them. Right. But the flip side can happen, too. Right. You can benefit from being known and building a reputation as somebody that does right by their clients. And now that big deal becomes a no brainer. They're like, oh, yeah, like that guy has always taken care of me. Like I, I, I trust them. If, if they're saying this is the deal, I know that's the real deal. And, and that's really the way that I have operated and it has served me extraordinarily well, right? It, it just, it opens up so many doors to the, to the point where I don't, 
Honestly, I mean, this is going to sound bad to say. I don't do a lot of cold calling and traditional prospecting, right? Like I've built up enough of a reputation and have enough of these relationships. And I do a lot of work with with Oracle, with those sales folks and and with previous clients and, and all those all these people moving around. And so they're introducing me. They're referring me. They're doing reference calls for me. We, when you do it right it gets it gets easier and easier and easier and more fun. Yeah, yeah. There's two parts that really stood out, right? So number 1 is your reputation, right? Yeah. Like your reputation matters because it can hurt or help you in 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 so many ways and so, you know, I think you, one thing that you said is like, are you the type of salesperson that's just going to ram the deal and make it happen, even though you're maybe only 70 or 80% of going to solve what they're looking for, but you know, you can convince them to go along that journey with you and maybe the deal churns, right? And then they show up in another deal, you know, in it, in your reputation follows you wherever you go, wherever they go. And, you know, sometimes doing the right thing is walking away from the deal, right? Doing the right thing. And, and you, you talked about karma and I'm such a big believer in karma because not just in your sales activities, not just in your professional life, but even in your personal life, right? Like, are you the same as you are online versus offline? Are you really being real with people? Are you really putting their best interest? Are you really serving at the highest level? And, you know, things come around, you know, not, you know, it, when you have a serving heart or, you know, you really are willing to help people, it does work in your benefit. And sometimes it's not right away or necessarily on your time. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just with, with deals, this impacts your career, right? It's like, what, what is your reputation? What are you known for? When I came into this role, um, I was working with a, with another company and I was just frustrated and I was in a, a QBR with, and it's really small world stuff. So the, the sales leader who was running that QBR is my current boss. I recruited him to, to be my boss in the current role. And the only other uh, outsider in that company was my current CEO. And so he saw uh, this frustration that I had in, in a previous role and on the spot basically said, Scott, look, like, why don't you let me buy you a few drinks? You can you can delete that silly email response you were planning to send to this boss that's driving you crazy um, and, and send the email you really want to send and I'll write you an offer letter tonight. You know, to, to build that kind of reputation where it was like, oh, shoot, that's right. Like, I, I do have value. And to have that recognized because we had done great work together, right? So it was a no-brainer for him to say, yeah, I would love to have Scott on my team, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's really what, what comes of this. And, and it, it's been an incredible ride. I mean, I, I this is the first time in my career I've been in the same company that wasn't a company that I owned for, I'm coming up on five years, because it's just, it's a great spot. It's the right spot. I'm around the right people. I've got all the right clients. It's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. And I've got the freedom, the flexibility, and the support to do all this other fun stuff that I do with the podcast and the summit and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and how, how much do you think, you know, what you do online or on social media contributes to that? So, well, ask me that, that question in a little bit more detail because there's a couple of ways I think I could take that. 
Okay, so you're talking about how your reputation has, you know, basically because you've done great work with people in the past, because listen up, sales hustlers, we're talking about like just, you know, really building your reputation with people through the work that you do can open up more doors and build those type of relationships where sales just becomes easier over time based on the trust that you establish with the people that you work with. So, you know, I have come across people, you know, with COVID happening and people getting laid off, the people that I find that have built a network that have been active on social media, you know, have had less of a hard time finding that new next place for them. So in that context, how do you think social media plays into building that reputation? Um, you know, in, 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 in these type of situations that you're talking about? Yeah, I, I think it's an amplifier. Right. You, you have to have you have to go into it with the right raw materials like your reputation is reputation. Your reputation comes from the work that you actually do, not what you say you do, not not just the words that are social media. But when you have that network and you do kind of put yourself out there, it does allow for that to be amplified. Right. So the what you're known for, then gets gets just a little bit more traction right and it, and it's something that that i've it's another area that i've totally geeked out around I, I did a project earlier this year uh where i talked about the the linkedin sales stars i i built sort of my own algorithm to find the people who were driving the highest levels of engagement on linkedin in the sales profession and just gathered a, a ton of tips and a ton of ideas uh from them to to learn what they were doing and i'll tell you it has a massive impact, right? But like anything, it's something that you have to commit to, that you have to be consistent about. It's it's not something that you can do very effectively kind of halfway. And and to me, I mean, there's that is just an overriding theme for me is is it's consistency matters more than almost almost anything right it, it's not like you got to go big and do this huge thing and you do that occasionally it's little things every single day and right. and if social is one of your strategies that's the way you have to do it and and when you say consistency you know, I think consistency with the habit and to kind of go back on what you were talking about, consistency with you are what you're putting out there, right? Exactly. So I think totally. you, I, yep. I felt a little like, you know, as long as what you're doing offline matches what That's you're right. doing online is important as how consistent you are with the activity itself. Yeah, well, because you have to recognize like talk is cheap, like what you say in social only has so much weight. It's more what you do. Right. And and that's that's why when I started sales success stories, I only interview the top performing salespeople. Right. They, like it's only individual contributors and they have to be either the outright number one top performer in their company or a joke. I'm willing to settle for the top one percent because. You can say all the stuff in the world, right? But it has more meaning coming from people who are actually legitimately accomplishing and legitimately achieving and, and have the numbers and the results to back it up. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about this this list of LinkedIn superstars that you put together. What was the what was the process for putting that list together? And then let's kind of break down some of the common things amongst these people. Yeah. So the, the process was uh, about a year ago, 
Uh, I sat down with Scott Lease, who, who many folks know, especially if you're, if you're active on LinkedIn. He's got a gigantic LinkedIn following. Um, Scott is practically my neighbor. He lives about a mile from here. And, and so we had a chance to sit down and have some coffee. And he basically challenged my approach on LinkedIn. Uh, because to that point, I mean, I'd been very, very active on LinkedIn for the, I don't know, dozen years or, or so before that, but I had always treated it as this is the way that I manage my network. And I only connect with people on LinkedIn that I actually have some type of, of relationship with. And he's like, man, LinkedIn has changed, right? The mm -hmm. way that you use this platform is different than that. You need to change your approach and you need to, you need to, especially with all that you're doing uh, with the podcast and the, and the other work that you're doing more broadly in, in the sales ecosystem. He's like, you need to be, th this is a platform for, for you to get your message out. So I, I started doing that and Again, I, I became kind of a student of it. It was like, okay, well, uh, this is actually going really well for me once I adopted that approach. And I wanted to learn from people who were doing it even better than that. So it, I, I developed, I, I really decided I, I wanted to do a webinar. I wasn't sure who I wanted to do it with. And I was trying to find like, is there, is there a more or less objective way that I can measure people are having success on LinkedIn. And, and what I looked at was essentially their engagement, right? So are, are they driving a lot of conversation and a lot of likes and a lot of comments and, and those kinds of things? And so it, it, it basically evolved to the point where now I maintain a list of the top 100. We update this about quarterly. I've got the, the top 100 LinkedIn sales stars that are driving those huge levels of, of engagement. And we pulled together their tips and, and this and this PDF, which is free. So if, if you go to top1.fm forward slash L-I-S-S for LinkedIn sales stars, you'll you'll find this free PDF in the current list uh, of, of these folks. And it's... I mean, there's, there's a lot of little pieces, right? I, part of it is you need to understand the way that the LinkedIn algorithm works to some degree, right? You've, you've got to kind of work within its, its idiosyncrasies, right? Like there's, right. there's a, it, it's a little now, bit weird in, in a few areas. So you, you have to understand those. But beyond that, it's, I think it really comes down to just being real, Mm. Right. Like sharing real human stories and the struggles and just the stuff. Right. Like being willing to say the stuff <laughs> that um, everybody's thinking, but nobody is fully going out and saying, yeah, OK, this is this is BS or, or this isn't working or or whatever it is. And just being really constructive about that. And it's it's just about being super consistent. Right. Yeah. It, none of the people on that list like post a LinkedIn a couple of times a month. It's much more likely that they're posting close to daily. If not, if not multiple times a day. Actually, LinkedIn doesn't like that. <laughs> so really? yeah, da daily is about the max. You know, I mean, you can do more than that, but most people, the sweet spot is three, four times a week to about every day. Um, much more than that, there's there's really not much benefit to it right so that's one of those things like that doesn't make sense like that's sort of counterintuitive cuz back in the back in the day on twitter you now, can't tweet you can't tweet enough there's there's no limit yeah. to how much you can you can be on twitter linkedin is 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 a little bit of a of a different animal in in that way
Now, there's a couple. Let's let's pull this apart a little bit, right? So these people that are driving tons of engagement, you know, being real, showing up, being authentic, being vulnerable, you know, being human, yeah. um, and starting conversations about that. Are they getting tons of engagement from other people in their team, in the sales community, or who they want to do business with? And are they using the tool to be LinkedIn famous or are they using it to drive revenue, book appointments and get people in the funnel? Yeah, that's that's the fatal flaw in, in my model, right, is what I can't measure is what happens on the back end. You know, how how much revenue are you generating from the work that, that you're doing? Right. And, and that's not something that I can measure with publicly available data. Right. So I've I've actually started sort of applying a disclaimer and saying, like, look, you, you've got to choose your thought leaders and your influencers carefully. Right. And really be mindful of what that is, because here's the deal. In in general, I think most of these folks are uh, uh, driving a lot of engagement, typically within the sales community. Well, if you're Sarah Brazier and you you work for Gong and you sell to the sales community, that's a, that's an amazing recipe, right? Like that all matches up together. Yes. There's there's people that I would love to find that are are just not on my radar typically who might be doing this in an extraordinary way in a probably a lower key kind of a way that is very, very specific to their industry and their customers. And they're not going to show up on on my radar just in the way that it, it gets measured, right? right? But that's, so you've really got to think about this. You asked, you asked a really intelligent question around, like, are you just trying to get LinkedIn famous? Because that doesn't, isn't, 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 unless you can do something with that. And and really the way that you're going to do something with that is you're going to be all about your customers, your prospects, and you're going to be in that space and speaking their language and engaging with them because that's where your business comes from, not from other salespeople if you're not selling some type of a sales technology or sales tool. Right, right. And, and, and there's people that you know, it, you gotta, you gotta know what your goal is and have a strategy and have that consistency. And, you know, ideally if, 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 you know, you want to have content that's going to drive engagement from who you want to do business with. Right. And the, the, the problem with LinkedIn is right, is you can get all of these followers, but only a small percentage of those people are going to see your content. Right. It's too difficult to always know what the algorithm is going to be preferring. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you got to get your content in front of the right people if you're trying to drive revenue, you know, through your LinkedIn activity. And the LinkedIn activity is the hardest thing to track for leadership inside the CRM. You know, all of those things why a lot of leaders are, are, are hesitant to like just, you know, let people go all in on the platform because it can't be tracked. Well, oh man. Okay. So I, I feel like you just, you laid out a soapbox in, in front of me right there. I think we have gone way, way too far, like off the deep end in sales in terms of trying to track everything. Because there's so many things that are so critically important that you can't possibly track. Relationships, right. for example. How do you track? How do you quantify a relationship? Right. It's it's you, you can't do it. Well, how important can those relationships be 
if you've got you sell to marketers and and you've got this incredible reputation let's go back to where we were before right what if i've sold to a, a cmo three times at two different companies and we trust each other and we know how to do business together and and get things done well how do you quantify that that right. you can't or, you can't really track or, that in the crm right or how do you track you know the long-term value of the relationship or the customer, right? Yep. Like yep. the the reps that, you know, maybe are, are hitting their numbers and maybe there's other reps that are not hitting as much, but the customers are staying much longer. You know, there's no way to compensate for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, my, my previous role, um, it's one of the things that I quantified, right? We had a, we had a new sales leader come on and he's, he's kind of looking at my numbers and, and questioning things. I'm like, yeah, hang on one second. Like, let me bottom line this for you. And I was able to show the, the lifetime value of my clients and the trajectory they were on was so much stronger than the the guy who on paper was number one, but a huge percentage of his deals were churning. Well, in a SaaS business, right, where, where it's all about recurring revenue, like the first year isn't even that important, right? It's it's the long term, like it, if, they don't, if they're only a customer for one year versus Scott's customer is on for five years, 10 years, 15 years, that's a totally different, uh, set up. And again, to your point, it's it's or, another one of those things like we're not measuring that satisfaction. Like, yeah, I closed the deal. But if it wasn't the if it wasn't the right fit, now I've got somebody who's angry, who's bad mouthing us in the industry, whose revenue is all going to go away. Like there's nothing but downside versus right. we did the right thing. We took great care of this customer. Not only are we retaining that customer, but they're spending more and more year over year because they're adopting the platform more and they're doing reference calls for us and they're referring us to folks. Like it's a completely and, yeah. and different they're, animal. And they've given us a solid case study that's helped us land exactly. more deals. That's and right. the leadership went to another company that landed us another deal. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify all of those things. Right. But it all falls back to your reputation and <laughs> doing right. Right. A hundred percent of the time. Right. Exactly. 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 I mean, that, that, that is the game. So yeah. Are, are you always going to be able to quantify it? Are there, uh, uh, do parts of this kind of come apart? Yeah. Like if you just look at, at it on paper, if you look at first year revenue results, that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. But if you think about the reputation, if you think about what is this ultimately going to mean for this company, for my career, for where all of this is going to go, it's a night and day situation, right? Because the, the, the first guy I was just referencing doesn't even work in the industry anymore. Probably, he probably can't. <laughs> right? Because the reputation's not there. Like, oh yeah, we know about mm. that guy. Not working mm. with him, not working with that company. Right. And those, and, and that could be the person that was number one for cramming the deals that should have never happened. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you the, the best model I have ever seen. And I, I wrote about this in, in the first sales success stories book where I, I collected, I mean, it was just one happened to be one of my stories. I collected a whole bunch of different stories. The best executive sales leader I've ever had is currently the the CEO at a company called Workfront. And he he has this model. Um, and he 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 wrote it down he, on the on the back of a notepad in our first conversation I was interviewing with him. And he wrote just this this four by four grid and he talked about getting it done and doing it right. 
Right. And, and what he said was, look, if you're, if you're getting it done and you're doing it right. So what, what that means is the, the getting it done is those are your numbers, right? Like, are you achieving an overachieving quota? That's the getting it done. The doing it right is all the things that we've been talking about, right? Are you working the right kinds of deals? Is this a good fit with a good customer where we're going to add value, not something that's going to churn uh, a year from now? He had the solution to what I think breeds so many toxic sales cultures because most sales cultures will not only tolerate, but reward bad behavior. They'll reward the guy that is off the charts, number one, but is doing it so wrong. Right. That is, he's, he's selling bad deals. He's, he's just burning us up from a reputation standpoint in the, in the industry. And Alex is, Alex said, look, if, if you're that person, right, if, if you're blowing it away, but you're not doing it right, we're going to fire you faster. Wow. And think about what that does to the culture. Like it, it, it gives heart to the people who, who have been doing it right all along but not getting rewarded because they weren't willing to do the evil things, right? Like we, we have to, we have to use our powers for good, <laughs> not, not for evil. Cause you can, right. I mean, it, it's not hard to pull one over on somebody and, and to lie and, and, you know, pull a deal in that and it, way. And it, which and is it comes wrong. out. Oh yeah. And it comes out in customer success or an onboarding or support that, you yeah. know, support nightmares. Um, you know, it comes out shortly after, you know, the deal is done. The commission check has been, you know, cashed. Well, and we all pay for it. I mean, I've heard you talk on this show about, you know, there's a lot of salespeople that don't want to say I'm in sales because of that reputation. So if you are taking that approach, you're just, you're, you're ruining it for everybody. Right. And, and here's, here's the deal because we all have these, these, uh, um, stereotypes in our head about what great sales performance is. Having interviewed a hundred people who were at the very top of their game, I will tell you definitively and explicitly that the very best salespeople are the very best humans. Right. Mm -hmm. They think about it this way. They think about it. It is it's servant leadership. Like I'm going to take good care of my customer. If it, the deal isn't right, I'm going to walk away. And yeah, that might hurt in the short term. But when you're doing it right in that way, in the long term, you win and their results show it. They're at the top of their game consistently quarter over quarter year over year because of these types of behaviors so stop with all the garbage movies and all the, the all the like bad reputation stuff yep. that's out there that is not the reality of truly great sales performance and wow. and the re be, you don't see it though right because really, when when you're you, when you're in that type of a process it doesn't feel like sales. It doesn't feel like you're being sold to. You're being served. And oh, so people yeah. don't see it for what it is. And I can tell you firsthand that I've been, I've experienced that myself as an evolution of my path of sales, right? When I started early on, it was just hard closing, yeah. you know, reeking with commission breath, not caring about the customer, but just caring about getting the numbers, caring about being number one, you know, caring about myself, my own selfish needs. And that's just because of the culture that I was in and what I was taught. 
And there's a lot of people that still do things that way, but it will only take you so far before you really start to feel crappy about yourself. And you're never going to be at the top or number one, because a lot of being able to show up as your best self professionally is taking good care of yourself personally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, physically, all of it. You know, the people that are performing at the highest level are taking care of themselves on all fronts, right? And when 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 I transition to just more of a servant, serving, helping others, it doesn't always work out in my benefit as far as like getting the deal right now, but long-term overall, it's so easy. Selling is serving and, you know, and, and it's, you don't ever feel like I'm pushing or convincing or twisting somebody's arm to pay me for whatever it is that I'm doing. And it just feels better, right? Sales is fun. It's rewarding, right? You, you get recognized for the fact you're helping people. And I, I think of myself as an intentional individual contributor, right? I could move into leadership, but I don't want to. Like, I love this spot. There's no way that I could feel this way if I was just abusing people because it, it just, it feels bad. Like it's a recipe for burnout. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and you haven't made that shift yet, I, I encourage you, I implore you to give this a try. And, and sometimes in order to do it, you might have to change companies, right? The, the culture that you're in might be too toxic. The, the product that you're selling might be garbage. Well, mm. stop selling it. There yeah. are plenty of places that are looking for great salespeople. Find something that you can stand behind, that you can believe in. And that's the other thing. If you don't believe in what you're selling, it's really hard to do. But if you yep. do, if you know like this adds value, this this benefits my clients, here's the results that we see. It's so easy to go tell those stories and to and to sell. It's it's just as simple as that. It's it's a night and day difference in terms of what that experience is. So if you're on the wrong side of that, stop it. (laughs) There are way too many opportunities to be able to do it right and love sales. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many places that you could go that, you know, are happy to have great salespeople. And, you know, we all know what those things are that could maybe cut the corners to get the deal And, you know, there's that moment where you're like, should I do this? Should I say that? Should I send this email? Just stop yourself and don't do it and do that consistently and see what happens. That's it. That's it. It's simple. It's simple. You know, it's we we overthink a lot of this stuff. But, you know, when when you're doing the right thing and telling the truth and helping people, sales is great for everybody. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's been fantastic having you on here. Uh, really appreciate the conversation and uh, all you sales hustlers out there, you know, give this one a listen, go back. There's some good nuggets in there. And I'll let Scott tell you where you can find out more about him and, and check out his podcast as well. Yeah, e- easy. If you go to top1.fm, T-O-P, the number one.fm, uh, that'll, that'll, you can get to everything from, from there. So you'll find both the podcasts, the summit, the books, all that, all that good stuff. Check it out. All right. Awesome. We will include that in the show notes. If you're listening to the podcast, subscribe, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready 
set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.